Yeah, that might help. <laughs> uh, first, let me say welcome to A Word from the Word Ministries. I'm Evangelist Benny Riddle, and uh, Pastor Mobley must be tied up doing something else. Wasn't able to get him, but I will be presenting today. We'll be picking up in Revelation, the first chapter, and we'll be starting with the 16th verse. But before we go there, we're going to open up with prayer. We're going to pray as the Lord taught his disciples to pray in Matthew 6, 9 to 13. And he said that when you pray, pray in this manner. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right. You got your pencil and paper or your hard copy or your word. Hope you came with a mind ready to learn. If you have any questions, you can go to our Facebook page, Word from the Word Ministries, and you can post them there. Or you can inbox me at Evangelist Benny. I'm on Messenger through Facebook. And Pastor and I will come together and we will answer any questions or concerns that you may have. I guarantee you this, these last couple of days have really been challenging, <laughs> but I was like, no, not today, not today. We are going to have to do this. So join me, like I said, Revelation 1, and we'll pick up with the 16th verse. And that verse reads, And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. I am the first and the last. 18. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. 19. Write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which they sawest, which thou sawest, are the seven churches. So if we move back up further into the scripture, um, 
I want to say it was around, yeah, verse 11. The Lord is telling him, telling John who to write to. And he told him to write to these seven churches in Asia. And during this particular time, this was part of the Roman domain province, okay? So, um, he told him to write to the church in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Now, the word said that he had in his right hand seven stars. And in that 20th verse, he tells us who the seven stars are. They are the leaders, or you could say they are the representatives of the seven churches mentioned in that 11th verse. The Lord is holding those stars securely in his hand. And as we have taught before, seven is the number of completion. So we could say that he got the whole church in his hands. Yes, he does. We as teachers, we as pastors, we as leaders with our various congregations, we have to be sure that we are teaching properly and that it's coming from the word, not denominationalisms and schisms, attitudes, entitlements, no, none of that because he cares about none of that. He cares about us teaching the word the way it should be taught. His word, un, un, unfragmented, untainted, not how we think that it is, not our interpretation, but the way he has it. Once again, I'm going to remind you that the ancient text, which was Greek for the New Testament, we cannot give a modern definition to an ancient language. It meant what it said, and it said what it meant. Then it went on to say that out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Wow. And this is not the first time that we hear about the two-edged sword. <laughs> um, the two-edged sword is heavy, quite heavy. And it was used in war, and it was used to kill. So it cut going in and coming out. Like I said, this is not the first time we hear about the two-edged sword, one of the scriptures that reflects back on that 
is Hebrews, the fourth chapter, the 12th verse. And it says, for the word of God is living and powerful. This is coming from the New King James Version. Uh, powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, if we humans <laughs> is using this thing in battle, and we know how it can affect the body, well, the word, the word, the word is telling us here, the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Wow. So if God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword, you know, that is quite piercing. And we just read where it says it goes down to the bone, to the marrow of the bone. That's cut deep. Even to the point of where it will divide the soul and the spirit. That's deep. That is very deep and very sharp. This sword that comes that he uses his words they are precise they're more precise than any sword that man could ever make now it's not saying that the Lord is carrying in his mouth this sword in his teeth no it's, it's, it, that's not what it's saying it's like I just said, the idea is that this word, his, his, the sword, is his weapon. And guess what? His word is also our weapon. That's the reason why he tells us, hide my word in your heart. Because, see, sometimes we need to, and it don't matter whether you can quote, book, line, and, and verse, and page. No, 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 no. Not that you got to give it an address. No. He wants you to hide whatever that verse is, whatever that chapter is, whatever you use to strengthen yourself, whatever verses or scriptures you use when you're in certain situations, that is your weapon. That's your sword. We hear many of preachers say, hey, Y'all got your sword with you, and he's talking about the book, the Word of God, the Holy Bible, as I call it, basic instructions before leaving earth. And then it says it is a sharp two-edged sword. Well, now, guess what? You know it had to be sharp. If this thing is being used in battle, okay? You know it's got to be sharp. You cutting, you're, you're cutting heads off, you're stabbing, and, and, and all of this. Well, guess what? So is his word. His word will get in and convict us. His word will get in and will lead and guide us. 
when we've done wrong, what happens? His word comes back and reminds us. Now, you know that wasn't right because, you know, I told you so-and-so and so-and-so. So, yeah, it strengthens us. It's our weapon when we're in situations. And, yes, it does. It does chastise. Then, then it said, and when I saw him, no, let me back up. And then it said, and his countenance, this is the last part of verse 16, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Now, we know that when summer comes, um, and the sun around noonday, that's the strength. Yeah, it's, it's bright. It's directly overhead. Well, now, imagine the Lord being brighter than the sun. Wow. That's a sight. And I can understand why John, after he saw the Lord's countenance, which was so strong, yeah, he fell at his feet as though he was dead. That was his glory. The Lord's glory is so great, it shines. And he told us that when we get into the new heaven and the new earth that the sun won't even be around to shine all right his face his glory is going to be the light that is going to shine in both places we won't need no sun it's him instead of the s-u-n we're going to have the s-o-n okay Then, in verse 17, we read how John reacted. And then, in verse 18, it tells us how Jesus reassures him of who he is. John said that, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet. I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Wow. 18. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. John was so overwhelmed when he saw the vision of the Lord till, yeah, he, he, he fell. He fell down. Yes, he did. And we know that John was one of the disciples. Matter of fact, he was the youngest, as they say, of the disciples. And here we read in he is the last of them, pretty much. 
And as Pastor had brought out earlier, with John being on the Isle of Patmos, a prison island, Jesus' mother, Mary, was there with him because when Christ was on the cross, he gave, taking care of his mama, over to John. Now, here we're going to find that Christ is reassuring him. He said he laid his right hand on me. Okay, when John fell down as though he was dead, this was Christ's way of telling him, no, don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. It's me. And let me reiterate who I am. I am the first and the last. Before we were created, before this world even came into existence, it was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Jesus, just like his father, transcends time. He is the same last year or past. He's the same now, and he'll be the same in the future. He's eternity. The Lord is eternal. Then he says, I am the one who lives and was dead. Wow. Okay. Remember, he had a life before they put him on the cross. When they put him on the cross. And, and, and let's remind ourselves of something. They didn't take his life. He gave his life freely because he knew what his assignment was before he even got here. Why do you think he prayed so hard in the Garden of Gethsemane? Because a human side of him came out. Yeah, he was asking the Father to remove that cup, but he also said, I understand it's your will, and I'm going to have to go through this. So, yeah, he was the one that lived. He was dead. But he rose, y'all. He got up. He didn't stay in the grave. And I know that there are some that have uh, statues or crosses with him still on it. And I go, he's not still on the cross, y'all. <laughs> when they put him in the grave, three days later, he got up. So he's not on the cross. And that's what he's saying. And I live forevermore. I am alive. He showed us that after death, there is still life. And this particular life has no end. It's eternal. This life that we're living here is temporal, temporary. I call it a dress rehearsal. 
on this side of the grass, what we do determines what our eternity is going to be like. If we do like he asks us to do, we will have an eternity with him. If we have not done like he has asked us to do, well, guess what? We're going to have our eternity somewhere else. Then he said, and he laid his right hand upon me saying, fear not, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and have the keys of hell and of death. Wow. Now, what we have to remember is when Christ was in the grave, before, let me go back, before Christ died, death had, was a, a, a painful experience for humans okay however when he died and when he rose you have to remember what he asked he asked grave where's in other words grave where's your holding power and death where's your steam He said, all powers of heaven and earth are in my hands. That meant that he had the keys right there. He said, I have the keys of hell and of death. Imagine, yeah. Imagine the, the, the devil being the Lord of hell. <laughs> and some people imagine that the devil has authority and power to determine life or death. No. And I, I feel sorry for the people that feel think that way because the devil has no power. He's mighty, but he's not almighty. And see, Christ was reminding John of that earlier in this first chapter. I am the Almighty. Mm. And guess what? The Lord does not loan the devil the keys. <laughs> the devil can't borrow the keys. No, the Lord has them. So that lets us know that even though do think that he got it going on, yeah. He is still in the when before time ends, he is still gonna have to acknowledge and it ain't like he don't know who the Lord is, okay? He's still gonna have to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and he's gonna be bound and chained and picked on into that lake of fire mm. 
And I tell you, I'm trying my best not to end up like that because that is torture forever. To constantly be burned forever. No, I don't want to go through that. Then we're going to come down to the last two verses in this chapter. And it's he, the Lord is telling John, Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand are the seven gold and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Okay. He told him, write these things. This is the second time because earlier he told him to write. What verse was that? Let's look at it. I want to say it was around... It was around the second verse where John is saying that he is writing the things that he saw because he was commanded to as a testimony of Jesus Christ. So, he tell him to write these things. This is his second command to write. And this in a way gives us an understanding of the book of Revelation. John is commanded to write regarding what happened in the past, what is happening in the present, or it could have been his present and what was to come. The Lord told him, the things which you have seen. This meant that Jesus wanted John to write what he had seen, what he had told, what he had shown him. The glorious heavenly vision of who? Our Lord. He said, these things which are. This means that Jesus wanted John to write about the things of his present day, the things regarding the seven churches which were in Asia. And when we get off into the churches, we're going to find that each one had either something wrong with it or it had something going good with it. And there were some that, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, they were doing good, but then they did something bad too, all right? But when we get off into the churches, we will understand. And we do say that when we start studying these various churches, somewhere along the line, you're going to see yourself. If not in one, you may see yourself in all. The purpose of this is for us 
to not point the finger or try to find out the lesson that somebody else ought to be learning, but the lesson that we need to learn ourselves, each other, okay? Now, he said, the things which will take place after this, the things that are things, right about the things that are to come. Wow. Now, when John began to do that, It took him, in this particular book of Revelation, it took him, you could say, segments. But the Lord was giving him structure as to what and how he wanted him to write. And he gave him the vision for each one of those. So, if we're thinking about him doing doing it as a structure, there were three parts to this structure. The things that John saw, or you have seen. We're going, we've just, we're finishing up that in chapter one. So far he has seen the glory of the Lord. He described him, told what he looked like, how he looked. Mm-hmm talked about his countenance, the color of his hair, the color of his eyes, talked about how his word was sharper than two, any two-edged sword. All of these things that we just read, this is chapter one. This is what he has seen. Now, the things which are, we're going to study those in chapters two and three. And this is where he's writing to the churches. And the things that will, that is to come, all right, from chapter 4 to the last chapter of that book, which is 22, he tells us about how man, <laughs> that's the reason why, we say that we are living in revelation time because we can see that man has no respect a person not even himself selfishness what about me father turning against son son turning against father daughter turning against mother mother turning against daughter same-sex marriages, yeah, all of that. <laughs> We're seeing it. And the Lord don't like it, okay? Then he tells us in these last chapters about how the reign of the Antichrist and who's going to come and what's going to happen before the Antichrist steps up to be or self-proclaim I brought you all uh, into peace, and it's a false peace. And then down further, we're going to find out that there is going to be another war. Uh-huh. But guess who wins? The Lord wins. We all win if we call ourselves King's Kids. Yeah. 
So that's the structure of this book. The things that John did see, what we just read, the things which will happen or what is going on, I should say, the things that were going on in John's time and then the things that will happen. Then he goes on to say the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lights, lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Here, Jesus is interpreting his own image. The stars in his hand and the lampstands. When he said that the stars are the angels, they're not talking about guardian angels. They're not talking about the heavenly beings that we call angels. No, he's talking about the pastors, the teachers, the leaders. The angels of the churches are the ones that supposed to be delivering the proper word. Because if we don't deliver the proper word, we will be held guilty of misleading, misteaching what he is saying. When John first saw the lampstands, he saw, he said that he saw one that looked like the Son of Man amongst them. We should always keep the Lord ahead of us in our heart so that we <laughs> can have that understanding as to what he is telling us to tell the church. And I remind us again, the church is not the building. The church is us. We are the church, the people. When John said that he was in the spirit on a large day, he wasn't talking about being in the spirit on the Sabbath, which is some, which is Saturday, or Sunday, which is the first day of the week when most of us go to church. No, uh-uh, no. Every day is supposed to be the Lord's day. So when John said that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and the Lord began to speak to him, he didn't say what day it was. He said it was the Lord's day. Every day is his day. He created these days. When I wake up in the morning, I say, I thank you, Lord, for a day that I've never seen. I've never seen today. I don't know what tomorrow will hold. However, I know that he has blessings for me. Yeah. And 
I thank him for those blessings that he gives me daily, which is life. So, now that we've come to the end of this first chapter, I'm excited about studying on into this book, and I hope that all of you all are too, because it's a spectacular vision that John uh, sees. And the Lord shows him these things, not all at once, because it would be overwhelming. But there were times that he would, like Pastor Mobley said, when he had those visions, he was transfigured out of himself. The human wasn't where the vision was. His spirit was there. His soul was there. His body was still down here on earth, but his spirit took flight. Some people say that John had an out-of-body experience. Well, if that's what you want to call it. But I can only imagine how spectacular, how awesome. And then for him to gain the, the, the eternal wisdom and, and knowing the victory and the authority that our creator has to see all of this. Mm, truly amazing. Truly amazing. I've come down to the last part or the last of this chapter. It's my hope and prayer that you will join us tomorrow where we'll be picking up with chapter 2 and we'll be starting to talk about the churches. So I'm asking you, if you would like, please read ahead. Read chapter 2 and 3 so you'll be familiar with what we'll be talking about within these next couple of days. Like I said, if you have any questions, you can go to our Facebook page and you can post them there or you can inbox me through Messenger and I guarantee you we will answer. We will answer. If you would like to drop us a line in the mail, our address is a word from the word ministries, 2631 Gravois, Avenue, Suite 803, St. Louis, Missouri, 63118. Now, we're going to close with prayer. We're going to close as the Lord taught. And he said that when you pray, pray in this manner. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And remember, the Lord loves you, and we do too. Have a blessed evening.